Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Pastor Rod. I'm the prayer pastor at Bridgewater Church, and thank you for joining me today. Uh, we've been in a new series, When God Begins to Move. So, you know, it's, it's been, you know, in late spring and uh, into the summer, it just seems like to be the season of new beginnings, doesn't it? Uh, there's been several weddings and graduations, and uh, our youngest son, uh, Caleb, just graduated high school, and that's been a weird feeling for us. Uh, in fact, in fact, I feel just a little melancholy about it. My wife and I were talking about it that uh, you know we basically worked ourselves out of a job. It's a new season for him and for us. And many of you are facing new chapters in your lives and in the lives of your families. Some have graduated from high school or college, and some have gotten married, and some have started raising kids, and some are seeing kids uh, move out and get out on their own. And, and some of you may even be contemplating doing a job change or, you know, either willingly or unwillingly. Uh, these changes or potential changes can be very intimidating and upsetting. And we, we ask ourselves, well, why can't things just stay the same? And whether we like it or not, life is a constant series of changes and new seasons. And, and even in the life of our congregation, we've seen a lot of changes in the past couple of years. We've seeing dear friends come and go, and some of our dear saints have gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, we've sold property and fundamentally had to rethink about how to do church in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, it's, been, it's been quite a roller coaster ride. And Pastor Drew and, and the staff, we've been talking, and, and there's a real sense that God may be getting ready to do something, you know, move soon in the life of our church. We certainly have a sense that he's He's moving in the body of Christ. And this shouldn't surprise us any. I keep going back to the scripture from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. says, Forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's a great scripture. And I think it's important for us in the body of Christ to realize that, you know, the church is always on the move. So the new seasons that life brings us can be scary, but there's one that never changes. That's our God. He alone is immutable. He's unchanging. And his love and grace for us is unchanging. So how do we, how do we cope with all these new things? And, well, it's, it's really quite simple. It's we trust him and we boldly follow where he leads. The principal uh, scripture text I want to share with you today is from Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3. And so, just kind of a precursor to that, Israel, uh, God had led them out of captivity in Egypt. And he led them into the wilderness and was going to take them into the promised land. And when they got to the border, they sent spies in. And they came back with a negative report. They were just, they just were not confident they could do uh, what needed to be done in order to take the land uh, God promised to them. Well, the problem was is they were operating in their own strength, their own thinking, and not believing that God was going to move for them. And so because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, God caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 
and until that generation had passed away. And so this is, this is where we find ourselves in this passage. God is uh, seeing that the, the, the old rebellious generation has passed away, and he's ready to start fresh. And so he says uh, to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. So they have been wandering around the, the region of Edom, uh, around the foothills of, uh, of Seir, and kind of just going in circles. Uh, God was leading them around and around, but it was time for them now to go take possession of the promised land. So God had them go up the east coast of the Dead Sea and, and camp across the Jericho. So there's a great temptation for us to try and keep everything in the same, uh, the same in our lives. But to do so leads to emotional or spiritual stagnation. It leads to spiritual death. Well, you may say you're hesitant to make a change because you want to be cautious. So you, you make the right decision so you don't make a mistake. Well, I, I tell you, there's a fine line between being cautious and being hesitant. But there is a difference. Caution moves forward with eyes wide open, and hesitation backs away fearfully. There's a difference. I love this quote by Sam Ewing, the baseball player. He says, On the plains of hesitation bleached bones of countless millions who, at the dawn of decision, sat down to wait, and waiting died. To be hesitant is to be fearful, and fear is a tool of the enemy which he uses to keep us defeated and from reaching the fullness of what God has for us as individuals and as a body of Christ, as, as a congregation of Christ. So what are we afraid of? What is it that we are, or fear in, uh, about change and new beginnings? Well, let's explore that a little bit. I mean, is it failure? Well, it depends on what your definition of failure is. We make mistakes. Well, yeah, that's how we learn, right? But if God is for us, who can be against us? We don't have to be afraid of failure. It's, it's part of the learning process. Will I have to do something that I've never done before? Probably. Uh, that's how we grow. You know, think back to our uh, school days. You don't show up to school the first day knowing how to read in kindergarten, right? You expect to learn new things. And we never stop to learn. Well, will it be more than I can handle? Yes, if you try and do it in your own power. But if you depend on the Holy Spirit and His equipping and allowing Him to fill you, no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It won't be too much if we do it in His power, not ours. Well, will I lose control? Will I lose power, authority, or influence? Now, first of all, let me tell you, you are deluding yourself if you think you ever had any of those things outside of Frankly, that, that may be the problem if you're struggling with change. We have to let Christ have the control, power, authority, and influence in our lives. Well, are we concerned or fearful that we might be forgotten? We are never forgotten. Isaiah 4, 9, 15, and 16 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is a prophetic passage. Talking about the coming of Christ and his nailing to the cross. 
Literally, he has engraved our sins, our, our, his concern for us, on the palms of his hands. No, we certainly aren't forgotten. In fact, the whole reason God moves the body of Christ is because of his concern for us. Will we be shoved aside? Certainly not, no. Are we afraid that we'll lose significance? You know what? Jesus died on the cross to give you eternal life so that you could take on his righteousness, so you could be his co-heir. Now, how much more significance can you have in the kingdom of God to be co-heirs with Christ, to be a son of the living God, to be a child of the king? You have great significance, and you don't lose it by trusting in the Lord. If the Lord is leading us down a new pathway in life, what do we really have to be afraid of? The Lord is always only at our best interest at heart and in the best interest of those he places around us. I remember when I was first called into ministry, I was working as a maintenance supervisor at the paper mill here in town. And uh, frankly, I was working a lot of hours uh, in maintenance. It wasn't, I wonder if I'm going to get called tonight. So I wonder what time they're going to call me tonight. And that included working Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I worked a lot of weekends. I was one of the few people, I don't say this to Hollywood or Brightly, but I was one of the uh, few people in the, the mill that knew how to operate a satellite and to level and square machinery. And so when the, the company uh, did maintenance, they always did it on the weekend. And being the only, one of the few people that could do the alignment work, they, I had to come in on a lot of weekends. And I, I started getting frustrated because I was not able to spend time doing ministry work and, and being, even being at church, let alone doing any kind of ministry. And I started praying, I said, Lord, if you, if you really are calling me into ministry, if you really call me to be a pastor, something's got to change. Either something's got to change here where I'm working, or you have to move me out of this place. But if you really want me to, to do this, then I, I need you to intervene. That was my prayer. And two weeks later, uh, a, a person walked into my office. It was a uh, manager of a construction company that I frequently hired to do work at the mill. He walked in my office and asked me one day, Brad, have you ever thought about leaving this place? <laughs> Long story short, they invited me to come uh, work for them. Uh, I hadn't applied. I hadn't sent them a resume. They approached me. That was God's working. Uh, was I fearful? I had worked there at the paper mill almost 18, 19 years, and I had gotten so used to being there, I was afraid to make a change in a lot of ways. Uh, I only lived three miles from the, uh, the mill. This place, the main office, was 25 miles. So I knew I was going to spend a lot more money in gas. And, and I wasn't sure if they could pay me what I was making. Was I going to have to take a pay cut? I had all these fears and concerns. And I, again, I prayed, Lord, you, you have to make the way. I, I can't make this move. This is really you. Then you're going to make it possible. Long story short, I just want to tell you about the goodness of our, our God. Not a brag. I want to tell you how good it was to me. Uh, they offered me the job. They gave me uh, more money than I was making at the mill. In addition to that, they gave me a company car and a gas car to pay for my gas. God made the way. And, and through doing that, I was able to work Monday through Friday, and then I was able to also continue my ordination process and do my studies. And, and uh, I had more free time in order to, to go through that process. God really came through, and he always comes through when we're obedient and when we're yielded to him. He has plans to prosper us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that, For I know the plans I have for you, 
declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And also in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 9, he says this, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. You see, God was taking the Israelites to a better place for them, and while at the same time positioning them to change the entire world, salvation for all the world would come through them, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he was taking them to a place where they would have all the resources they would need. They only had to trust and obey. God has never failed us. He always cares and provides for us. Deuteronomy 27 says this, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through the vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have, lacked, you have not lacked anything. You have not lacked anything. i got to tell you, friends, in all my years of serving the Lord, it's been some time now, my family and I have never lacked for anything that we really needed. Uh, we've never been without a roof over our heads or a bed to sleep in. We have always been fed. Now, have there been times when there were struggles and things were tight? Sure. We all go through those things. But, you know, I, I've been to third world countries on mission trips. I've been to places where people uh, live in mud huts and sleep on the ground on a piece of cardboard, and that was their bed. I'm a rich man. And all of us who live here in the United States, just by the fact that we were born in the United States, we're in the top 10% of the wealth. We are wealthy people. God has blessed us. He has blessed this man. He has blessed my family. He has given me everything I needed, plus some many luxuries besides. I don't deserve it, but he's been gracious, gracious to me. And I dare say, if you think about it, you, you would realize he's been gracious to you. Deuteronomy 29 says this, Yet the Lord says, During the forty years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You see, God is always with us. He's always for us. From the time that the Israelites left Egypt until they entered the Promised Land, God was with them night and day. He led the Israelites by day with a cloud, uh, a cloud or a pillar of cloud. And then at night when they would camp, pillar of fire and set over the, settle over the tabernacle and light the whole encampment for all, for all of them so they would not have to be afraid. He never left them. And he won't abandon you. As followers of Christ, Jesus lives within us, so he's always with us. So has there ever really been any challenge in your life that God did not see you through? I mean, you're still here, right? Is there any hardship you've been through at the end you didn't come out stronger, spiritually? emotionally, or that you didn't learn and grow from in some way. Now, if you really search yourself sincerely and really think about it, I believe your answer would have to be no. Because if God allowed you to survive through it, you became stronger through it. Does God have a plan for you, a direction for your life? The answer is absolutely yes. Whether you're 9 or 90, He has a plan and purpose for you, and He certainly has a plan for our our future here at Bridgewater Church. I, I mentioned to Missy uh, a while back that I would start to look forward to retirement. 
she said to me with a big smile on her face, a big grin, don't you know the pastors don't retire, they just die. <laughs> and uh, we laughed. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. Um, when God was finished with Moses, he took him home. And when God was finished with Elijah, you know what? He took him home. And when God was finished with Peter and with Paul and all the others you can think of, he took him home. As long as we tarry here, God's got a plan for us. He's not done with us. And now, now you tuned in today and uh, are, are watching this. I'm assuming that means you're still here, right? So I have to say, God's got a plan for you. He's not done with you. And that's true for our, our congregation and for the church. We're still here, so he has a plan and purpose for us. Hesitation to move forward leads to failure. Now, I, I got to tell you, I am a, I'm a history buff. I really like uh, studying history, all kinds, world, and, and American history in particular. I love uh, to read about the Civil War. And there was a general, his name was George McClellan. He was the general of the Army of the Potomac. His uh, assignment, he was stationed outside Washington, D.C., and Abraham Lincoln had given him a directive to go into Virginia and, and uh, face off with General Robert E. Lee. But George McClellan was not anxious to do that. Now, he was uh, the Washington darling, if you will. He was very polished and uh, debonair and uh, well-liked. He was a, a very uh, loved public uh, figure. But he did not have the courage, and he had believed that Robert E. Lee's army outnumbered him, and he was an army of over 100,000. In reality, Confederates only had about 45,000. So he outnumbered the Confederates by about two and a half to one. Uh, but he had convinced himself that he needed more supplies and more equipment and more men because he just couldn't face off against Robert E. And finding, finding exasperation, Abraham Lincoln fired him and replaced him with uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Now, Grant was not polished. He was rough around the edges. But he wasn't afraid to move forward. And he did. He moved forward and he pushed south. You have to move forward. You can't hesitate. To do so is to fail. I also think about World War II and D-Day and how the invasion of Normandy it was by the grace of God that the Allies were able to make the beachhead and move inland. You see, the Germans had a, a pretty large reserve of heavy armor, heavy tanks, and but they, they, they weren't sure where the invasion was going to come from, whether it was the Port of Calais or Normandy. And when the invasion actually started taking place, the high command asked Adolf Hitler to release the, the uh, armor to them so they could repel the uh, Allies back into the ocean. But Hitler was not convinced. He thought it was a rouge. He didn't think that that was the real invasion. He thought it was just a diversion, and the real invasion would come at Calais. And he was not willing to release the, the tanks. And by the time he realized that the invasion was really happen, happening in Normandy, it was too late. The Allies had got such a foothold and moved so far inland, there was no turning them back. Hesitation leads to failure. Hesitation leads to death, spiritual death. I love this uh, passage in uh, the book of Ezekiel where he has this vision of the temple. It's in the, the uh, chapter 40 through uh, like 50. And he describes the temple and he's measuring it out. And in chapter 47, he comes across, um, he comes to the, to the Ark of the Covenant. 
and he observes coming from the side of the ark is a little uh, flow of water from the right side. And it flows down and out the steps of the temple and out uh, through the temple courts and becomes a, a, a stream. And then it becomes a deep, uh, deeper water and it becomes this, this, this big, wide, deep river. And the angel that was leading Ezekiel around told him, you know, wade out to the water. He wade out into his ankles. And he said, wade out deeper. And he waded out to his waist. And then the angel said, go deeper. And he, and he went so deep that the water picked him up and carried him downstream. It was this raging, not raging river, but this big, deep flowing river. And he observed that all around there was life and the river was flowing down to the, to the sea and was making the, sea, the dead sea alive again. And uh, there was all sorts of fish in the water from, uh, you know, like in the, the deep ocean. And uh, it, where the river flowed, it brought life. And that is symbolic of the, the, the faith, our faith in God, our faith in Christ. Out of the side of Christ flows the church in our, our belief and our, our faith. And, and to all that, all kinds of people are welcome, like all kinds of fish. But one thing that Ezekiel observed in all this is that the, the marsh and the swamp uh, did not become fresh. It was stagnant and dead. Now, I don't know what image comes to mind when you think of swamp, but when I think of swamp, I don't think ever of anything pleasant. When the water is not flowing, it stagnates and things die. When our faith isn't flowing, when we're not growing, we're not moving, our faith stagnates and we die spiritually. It's so important that we keep moving. I love this quote from J.A. Matters. It said, he says this, a profession of faith without a progress of faith is a dead faith. Hesitation leads to spiritual death. So what's the plan? Why, why does God keep moving us forward? Well, I think we have to revisit what the definition of the church is, you know, why the church exists. Uh, the skit guys uh, that produce these great Christian videos that we often show in our services, uh, they have a video, and it's called, This is the Church. Lately, it seems that we're getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. So, 
whether we're facing a new season in our personal lives or we're concerned about the new season that may be happening in the, the church, our church, or the body of Christ, I want to close with two scriptures of encouragement uh, for you. Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8 said this, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So God has gone ahead of us. He's prepared the way. So my question to you today is, are you ready for the road ahead? Are you ready to turn north? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for our friends that, that share with our ministry online. And God, I pray that you just bless them abundantly and make them have hearts that are strong and courageous, Father. Lord, that your spirit would settle on them in a way that would make them sensitive to your leading. Lord, help us embrace the place you're taking us to. Help us to embrace the upcoming uh, changes that you're going to bring into the life of the church and into our personal lives, Father. Help us to see them as the opportunities that they're meant to be, Father. Lord, I pray that you provide for the needs of those who are watching, provide uh, encouragement for them, Lord, and help them to know that you are always with them and love them and that are about to equip them for some great purpose in your kingdom. Lord, let us give you glory praise in all that we do. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so glad you joined me today. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, we have some upcoming events. Uh, we have the uh, family uh, fun day coming up. We have Vacation Bible School. Come out and be part of that. And we welcome you to be part of the ministry. And we want you to know to take heart and be transformed. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ. Thank you.